Welcome to the Milk Bottle Shopify e-commerce podcast brought to you by Milk Bottle Labs, one of the world's top-rated accredited Shopify experts. Our founder, Keith Matthews, interviews Shopify folk to share as many Shopify tips and tricks as possible. This podcast is kindly supported by our two favorite Shopify tools we install in every store, Rewind.io and Clavio. Rewind is the leading backup solution for Shopify stores. Let's just say it's the cheapest insurance policy you'll ever get for your Shopify store, protecting all of your valuable data. And Clavio is our preferred automated email solution and is trusted by over 65,000 brands worldwide. Keep listening. We have some special offers for our podcast fans. Now over to your host, Keith Matthews. Hi there. For episode 54, I'm delighted to welcome Kerr Whitaker, the founder of Default HQ, who advises Shopify-focused app companies, service agencies, and technology partners on all things Shopify, including coaching, marketing support, and event strategy. Default HQ also has developed some Shopify apps, so why not check out smart order notifications? It may be useful to you running your Shopify store. Prior to setting up Default HQ, Kerr was one of the first 100 employees in Shopify, and it was there that we met and we become big, big fans. In 2020, more than 450 million people checked out on Shopify. The company processed more than $120 billion in gross merchandise volume. And it's very clear that Shopify is now the go-to platform for any business wishing to make the move online. In June, Shopify announced some major platform upgrades, the main one being Online Store 2. Since 2012, I've been working on the Shopify platform. And this is the first major architectural upgrade besides UX changes within the dashboard that Shopify have made. And it includes new theme architecture, flexible store content, a theme editor, a major update to the theme editor, and a new base theme called Dawn. So let's discuss. Kerr, how are you? I'm very well. Uh, thank you, Keith. And a, a pleasure to be back. I, I uh, hope no one's beaten my record for number of appearances on this fine podcast. <laughs> no, it's number four, isn't it? I think it is number four. And uh, yes, I'm not losing count. No, it's a couple of people have commented on that. And I just said to them, well, if you listen to the podcast, you'll realise why I have Kerr on repeatedly, because you actually learn from what he says. That's a compliment. Well, I'll, I'll take it. I'll take it. How's things with you? Yeah, we're good. The country is opening up. And uh, as we were discussing there a few minutes ago before we pressed record, schools are back um, and everything looks looks pretty good. Uh, after the pain that we had here, it turns out that it may, may have been worth it because we're one of the highest uh, double-vaxxed countries in the world at the moment. So I think we're behind you in terms of opening, but I think it's probably been worth it. But what is the status of the UK now as of the first week in September? Yes, it's, uh, well, COVID's finished. I think it, did. it finished in June, apparently. Um, and um, yeah, life is uh, life is moving forward. But uh, yeah, joking aside, I think it's still um, interesting times, Keith. And um, yeah, it's wonderful that things and uh, life is slowly returning back to normal, but with uh, a certain amount of uh, caution, I think, uh, across the board here as well. Absolutely agreed. The single biggest debate here at the moment is whether you're going to go back into the office or not. Um, so that's the the lingering kind of unknown with people because obviously that's a local decision uh, based on, uh, I suppose, you know, em- employers' discretion and also maybe employees' discretion as well. So, um, but that's that will exactly. be an ongoing debate, I think, for many years. I, th- I think I think you're absolutely right. I'm, I'm quite fortunate that my desk hasn't moved during the pandemic, pandemic or post-pandemic. <laughs> it's still the same. I'm I'm quite fortunate. Oh, either is mine. Either is mine. Um, <laughs> uh, Kerr, 
Shopify in June announced, uh, you know, a number of changes. The main one being for Shopify users is obviously the uh, online store too. Um, yep. And we discussed in the past ar- around, you know, last year's Unite around the fact that unfortunately Shopify have a reputation of announcing vaporware um, announcements that, you know, don't always, uh, you know, end up as being built, which is a kind of a, a characteristics of characteristic of the software industry. But this Unite was a little bit different because we had the CEO, Toby, actually coding at the event and we had an immediate release of the Dawn theme. So can you just give us an overview of, I suppose, your views on the event and I suppose top line explanation of the major update, which was titled Online Store 2? Yeah, I mean, I think you're right. In previous years, and um, you know, I speak from someone who, having worked at the company for a long time, felt the uh, the, the heat from uh, announcements happening at Unite and then not not shipping for a while. But I think this year it was um, you know a, a massive redressing of that balance. The um, the announcements were long overdue, you could argue, especially around Online Store 2.0. But I think, yeah, on the on the whole, the reception to the um, the announcements and the fact that they are live or um you know have shipped since is absolutely massive and i think as you say keith the changes to the online store um experience are the biggest um probably in my book since the admin went purple from green back in about 2013 so i think um yeah huge huge announcements and um i was actually really piqued by some of the kind of things that were teased in the uh, in the live stream especially around some of the content uh, management potential that Shopify uh, announced these kind of new um, kind of first class objects, if you will, where you can define things like uh, beyond a product or beyond a blog post and that kind of stuff. And that's not quite yet uh, there yet. They did tease it, um, but I think that opens up um, even more potential for merchants and um, partners like yourself working on the platform. Yeah, there's no doubt. So online store too, they're using that to describe the, you know, a group of major changes, but the supply theme has been the default theme within Shopify for many years. So explain to the listeners exactly what Dawn is about. I think Dawn is, is uh, as you rightly say, is going to be the uh, the default theme that you'll get when you um, try out Shopify, whether, you, whether you're a partner like uh, we are or, or a merchant trying out for the first time. And what they've done is they've embraced every one of these new features to give you um, a really strong uh, starting point to to build on. Um, it embraces all of the new sections on on all the different pages. It has a whole bunch of functionality that wasn't there in in debut. And um, yeah, I mean they, they claim it's thirty five percent faster um, than the previous uh, uh, default theme. The slightly cynical uh, developer in me takes that with a little bit pinch of salt, primarily because I think once we start adding apps and we adding more you know content and images and everything. Those those numbers would um, probably go down a little bit, but hugely impressive. And I think um, for anyone who's never tried Shopify before, and this is their first experience of it, they um, they, they might wonder what anyone was complaining about previously. Because I do think a lot of the um, editor experiences for merchants, where you're adding products, but also where you're rearranging your theme and the sections in every page, not just the homepage, are a huge improvement. And uh, actually, having dug under the hood a little bit, um, it's a very elegant uh, way that they've they've come up with this new theme structure as well. And um, yeah, I mean, you tell me, was it worth two years uh, waiting? Well, it probably was. You know, at the end of the day, the platform works. And if they left it the way it was, it would still it would still work. Um, I suppose the only reason any, anybody was waiting was was because they, they announced sections everywhere um, a long, long time ago. So they kind of created this queue 
that probably didn't need to exist, you know. Um, from a, a the speed, the speed. Your, your comment on speed is interesting because I suppose just to roll back slightly. So for for listeners who aren't fully aware, when you go into uh, when you go into uh, when you open your Shopify account, you have to obviously choose a theme, and there was a number of themes there prior, like supply, and there were free themes, and a lot of people use those free themes to jump onto Shopify and give it the look and feel of their new store. So what Shopify have done is they've replaced their base themes with this new online store to compatible theme and they've called it Dawn. So when you go in and when you set up Shopify now, you Dawn is your is your um, your default theme. There's no doubt, Kurt, that you probably could get the speed exceptional on Dawn if you don't add anything to it. <laughs> yes, exactly. You know, yeah. so it, it probably is... Uh, very fast. One of the reasons I held off on discussing this with you was because I wanted things to bed down. So one of the things I've noticed in the last couple of weeks is the fact that uh, the premium themes all have a 2.0 tag on them in the theme store. Can you explain, number one, why they're tagged? And can you explain what a merchant would have to do if they were to take advantage of online store two? Um, Well, it's interesting you say that because I've not actually spotted spotted the tag, but I can only assume that it means that they are, um, you know, compatible with all the new features. So when you install that theme in a new store, you get access to all the things that we're discussing. The theme store has also opened up. So I, um, in as much as for the last few years, uh, it was kind of a closed shop. They weren't uh, taking new themes from external theme developers. And I know that that um, announcement has um, been made that, you know, it's opening up more people can uh, submit themes. So I fully suspect that we'll see um, over the next few months more themes that are compatible with 2.0 coming in uh, into the um, into the theme store. I think in terms of what what it gives them access to, that, that, that they're subtle things. That's not to say if there's a theme that you like in there that, that works for you that isn't tag 2.0 uh, wouldn't necessarily exclude it from your consideration. Um, as I believe that there is a, a requirement, uh, maybe it's the end of the year. I think I read, I'll stand corrected, where every theme in the theme store has to be upgraded to 2.0. So. If you buy the theme because aesthetically or functionality-wise that it works for you, then uh, rest assured that you you will most likely be getting an upgrade to that in the coming months. Um, but I think some of the announcements that were made and, and are present in the editor now, things like the meta fields, as, as they, they call it, like first-class citizens, this idea that you can attach metadata to to anything within Shopify, whether it be a product or a, a blog article, and, and you can have now have an interface for that which used to require a third-party uh, application install, many, many of which were free and, and very um, feature-rich. But nevertheless, now in that editor experience, you can start relating blog posts to uh, to products or products to blog posts and various other things, all just from the interface within Shopify. So I think the new themes are going to take advantage of all of that, and they're going to build on that, and they're going to build on the idea that you can create these um, interactive experiences, uh, you know, pro- on a product level or a collection level or a homepage level in a way that you haven't been able to before. So I think, you know, if I was to suggest anything, it would be go for one to tag 2.0 now, start playing around with it. But if there is something that you, you know, you're torn slightly, um, the most likely outcome will be that you'll get a, an upgraded theme in the next couple of months. I received an email yesterday to upgrade the Empire theme from Pixel Union. And yeah, um, we're big fans of the archetype themes here too. So um if you go onto the Archetype site in the support section, there's a link for you to put in your details and down, download the upgraded theme. So that's, oh, that's really, interesting, yeah. Yeah, it's a, and it's really important because it's one of the things that a lot of merchants are asking us is, you know, oh, well, I paid for a premium theme, you know, two or three months ago or even the week before the announcement. But, you know, there's, there's no need for anybody to worry because once the theme developer has the old theme that you have purchased, 
once that is now Web2 compliant, they'll give you a link and you can upgrade it. And you're right about January. I think it's I think they've been given some sort of a date in January for everything to be upgraded. But obviously there's a race now to, to get there as, yeah. as quickly as possible because for everybody to take advantage in advance of Black Friday, possibly take advantage of speed improvements and obviously Christmas. The tagging of the 2.0 I thought was very, very clever on the Shopify theme store. So if you go into the Shopify theme store right now, filter to premium themes and go to the most popular themes. A lot of the popular ones by the super select team developers are tagged with 2.0 because they're up to date. And of course, naturally, most customers are buying those themes, so they're most popular. So it's the easiest way, basically, to see which ones are, are Web2 compliant. Yeah, I, th- I think just just on that note, I, I, I happen to know um, a couple of people who run um, theme businesses, and um, it's kind of a gargantuan task to to get these themes up to the 2.0 sort of spec in a way, because a lot of these themes are installed on you know tens of thousands of stores, and uh, you have to consider all of the factors such as you know ongoing support and, and, and just the just the architecture change. How is it going to affect someone moving from a, a previous installation of a theme to to the new style and how can they support them um, potentially having to, to, to reconfigure slightly um, from, from version 1.0 of the theme, as it were, to version 2.0 of the theme in terms of the, um, the architecture. So I think I know um, people are working hard on this, but it will take a bit of time. But um, as you said, I think the deadline um, was probably not generous enough in terms of some of the theme uh, yeah. uh, developers. But um, I think, yeah, by, by January, um, all of the themes are sort of prerequisite required to to upgrade. Yeah, and is it oversimplification to to say that it's like just as much work to it, it's a, an entire reconstruction of the theme is that is that the amount of work that's involved? I think it's it's not far off that. Yeah. Um the the, the way that the theme templates are constructed now um, are very much separation of concerns. So what we used to think of as a you know an index.liquid um template that would have html and liquid code in it is now pretty much a, a json so it's a, a sort of a text interpretation of how the page is laid out, um, and then you have sort of other elements that kind of get pulled into that programmatically. So yeah, it's it, it's quite it's quite a change. Uh, if anyone out there has, has played with um, the one version where you've had sections on on the homepage, it's it's kind of a, you know, an extrapolation of that, um, but with a lot more, if you will. Um, so so yeah, I don't think it's um, it's not it's not a simple job, and, and obviously they have to be developed in a way that. Um, you know, the, the teams can support and it's going to give them the least uh, amount of, um, I, I guess, stress when, when they release it. We've discussed sections everywhere many times and sections everywhere is now one of the uh, major new features of Online Store 2. So for the listeners who don't know, what is sections everywhere? I think one of the ways that um, listeners might be familiar with uh, the concept of sections everywhere is if they've used something like uh, Squarespace or, or WordPress or, or any of those that have a concept of a page builder in them where you can kind of drag different sections <laughs> uh, onto the page, reorder them, have uh, you know easy editable content within those sections. But let's say you had a hero image and actually, you know, I don't want the hero at the, at the top. For some reason, I want it at the bottom. You can go in and you can move that section down to the bottom and it it uh, it reorders the page if you like, and then you click save, and then that's reflected in your on your online store. Um, Shopify had this concept brought in a few years ago, but primarily for the homepage. Um, some clever theme developers had created sort of ways to mimic this in other areas, but it was never really natively available on the platform, just the homepage. So what this update does, it allows um, theme developers to create sections which can be um, programmatically applied to the page in the editor. 
um, by dragging them on and, and changing the content. Um, but developers as well can say things like, well, I want to be able to have three of these sections on the page or only one of these sections on the page. And so there's a lot of flexibility in terms of how these pages can be built up. So uh, what it does, it gives merchants uh, and people like yourself in the, in, in the agency space a hell of a lot more flexibility in how they can display content on, on the site and also a lot more um, flexibility in terms of editing it as well. So some of the things that may have required um, a, a code change can now mostly be done within the editor. So the role of someone like yourself might change. You, you'll start developing more sections and give more flexibility as a, and giving those to your clients as opposed to um, them having to come to you and you having to sort of you know dig into the code to make what might seem, at least at the merchant side, a, a trivial change. But um, the big thing is that this extends across the site now. So you can have sections in, in a collections page or you can have sections in, in a product page. Um, and what it enables you to do is also have those on, on custom templates. So you might have a custom template for a particular product that in and of itself can have its own structure of sections and that kind of thing. So uh, huge flexibility fundamentally. And I think this finally brings Shopify's kind of editing experience on the merchant side to a par with, with things like Squarespace or, or the page builders in, in WordPress or other, other platforms of that nature. I have to say the, the new, uh, you know, the, the new admin kind of team, team customizer dashboard makes it very, very easy. I mean, the sections are absolutely obvious and I have to compliment them on, on Dawn as well. I mean, even for a base team, for somebody that is starting out, if they had uh, decent artwork and, you know, a few products, they could actually do a, a, a damn good job of jumping onto the platform, you know, for, for a very, very small, very small investment. So um, there's no, yeah. doubt, there's no yeah. doubt about it. I mean, they, it's worked, you know. I think just one thing I should have added previously about this concept of a section, let's say you have this hero image as a section and it's got a, a you know a big block of text going across the middle and, and some you know call to action button within it um what you can do is you can apply that section to all of these different pages and the content will um be entirely different on each page so um whereas previously people might you know say well we we kind of had these options where you could go into a collection and you could do this and you could do that but th- Yes, you kind of had, they were more settings as opposed to sections in a way where those settings would be applied to everything that had that, you know, across the product uh, description page, where these can be kind of individual, the base level. So, yeah, think of a section as a, a, as a sort of an implementation of a design and each page can have that on it, but it can also have different content within it. And I think what they've also done with the editor, just to pick up on that point, Keith, is with the Metafields implementation, um, is you can now easily through the editor, you can say, well, actually, I want this section to reference this particular product. And you can have a little picker and you pick off this, the product that you want to be featured here and it will bring that in to that specific page. Um, so you don't have, you know, all the cleverness happens under the hood, but there's no kind of workarounds. It's just very neat and tidy. Then you could have that section on another page and pull in a different product, but you're, you're picking it out. It's yeah. not, uh, yeah. it's, it's, it's done in a very nice way. So I think... Um, especially with the holiday season approaching, I, I can see a lot of use for this for people where they're really wanting to emphasize certain products or, you know, display the same product around different parts of the site, drag on a section and off they go. Absolutely. We work with a number of vitamin supplements firms and one of them in particular has a pretty low SKU count. And mm. we've been heavily customizing their site recently to basically create a customized page, which is effectively a product page. And this just fits in perfectly because they, they can just at the click of a mouse, just add a, a different section, different blog, different imagery to every product, um, rather than having to build a separate template for every product. 
It's also wonderful for uh, for single product stores. A lot of people are skeptical about ever launching a Shopify store with a single product, but it's just very, very powerful to bring all your available content down underneath the product. From an SEO point of view, it's it's mm. advantageous. Rewind.io is the leading backup solution for your Shopify store. Did you know that there's no way of recovering lost data? If your store is gaining traction, app developers or multiple staff may enter your store and there's absolutely no way of fixing human error. Rewind.io allows you to rewind your store back to its original state. So you can reduce your business risk immediately with the Rewind app. It's so easy and is the cheapest and best insurance policy you'll ever need for your Shopify store. Get your first month for free by simply replying to your first email from Rewind and mention this podcast. Now, regular listeners will know I love Clavio. It's the single biggest revenue generator I've ever seen across hundreds and hundreds of Shopify stores I've been in. Clavio's data-driven marketing automation platform is sophisticated enough to power those legendary campaigns from the big brands you admire, but they make it simple, they make it easy, and they make it fast. To get started with a free trial of Clavio, visit clavio.com forward slash milk bottle. That's clavio.com forward slash milk bottle. On to Metafields, okay? Metafields in itself is the most boring description of something which is so, so <laughs> powerful. If anybody wants to know what Metafields are, I'd suggest they just go into the schoolbooks.ie site. And Paul and his, we've been working with Paul and his team there for quite a, quite a long time. And what Metafields basically does is it allows the store owner to present data outside of the standard, you know, price, discount and description on the product page. And on Schoolbooks, it's it's just presented. It's it's a massive, massive bonus for the simple reason, Kerr, on that particular site, a lot of parents would actually search by the barcode or the code of the product rather than the yep. name of the book because there's so many variations in the book. So Google is then indexing that metadata on the search engine and it's it's surfacing the name of a book, even though the customer is searching by the, potentially yeah. the barcode or the SKU. So in terms of structurally and in terms of mechanically, what, what has Shopify given us in terms of metafields? Because it's very, very powerful. Can you just give us some detail on exactly what they're doing? Yeah, of course. I think, you know, we've probably been using metafields over the years um, in many different ways. And I think um, whilst I agree with you, <laughs> the name is it is quite boring. Maybe uh, by the end of the, the, the uh, episode, you'll have a much better one. But um, yeah. Fundamentally, if you think of the data that's associated with the product currently, as you said, price, title, description, skew, quantity, et cetera, that's very, very rigid. And it's been been like that for ages. Um, and um, previously, if we wanted to try and attach any other data to that, we'd have to use a Metafields app. The, the, this kind of, the opportunity to use Metafields under the hood has always been there, but Shopify have chosen for whatever reason to only ever make it uh, available programmatically or via a third-party app. So the experience has changed a lot. And I'll come back to what how powerful I think this new implementation is momentarily. But like before, if you wanted to add, say, your, your ISBN or um, barcode, you would have had to come out of the product, go to a third-party app, most likely, enter it in, save it, and go back to the product description to carry on. But you'd have no way of realizing that relationship was necessarily in place. It wouldn't appear within that editor screen. So the first thing that they've done is enable you to not only define new metadata fields, um, so you could say I want um, you know the, the ISBN number to appear, um, and then that becomes in and of itself a sort of meta field type, if you like. But they've also allowed that editor um, experience to appear within the product detail editing screen um, within the admin. Now, the one thing that I think they haven't done yet, which is interesting, and unless they've changed it in the last couple of weeks, is every time you add a new meta field, it kind of appears at the bottom of the, the product description um, 
the product editing screen, but yeah, you can't does. change the order yet at the moment, but yeah. uh, I'm sure that will come. So you can't necessarily fully customize it, but fundamentally where you enter the, the metadata now sits with all the other relevant information about the product. So that's that's one thing which um, sounds very simple, but it's non, non-trivial for those of us who've experienced the other way of yeah. doing it. Yeah. Um, and then the, the second uh, piece of the puzzle really is this idea that you can define these meta fields. And so when we think about the, the opportunities for, say, clothing, let's say you could create a, you know, a size guide or you know, sizing instructions and, and all of this kind of stuff, and then you reference them in a way that makes, makes sense um, within the theme as well. So um, not only does it simplify the experience, um, it gives you a lot more flexibility. Like there's a, there's a file picker, so you can have a, a meta field for a file. So let's say you had washing instructions for a piece of clothing. You can now pick off within the product edit screen uh, and, and, and attach a PDF uh, right within the product and then reference that in the theme. So it's, it's going to bring a um, huge amount of opportunity to display more information that's relevant. And as, uh, as you well know better than me, that everyone has unique requirements and everyone wants more data attached to their products than uh, Shopify gives them native access to. So so this is kind of huge. And I think it will. Uh, when people ask for it on your side, you're just going to be so, yep, not a problem. Yeah, <laughs> It's not going to be a big education piece on how to do it. It's going to be, well, it's going to appear at the bottom of the edit screen, go in there and, and, and attach your PDF and, and we'll make sure that we provide a link to that if it's if it's uh, present in the theme and yeah. you're good to go. So huge flexibility. But um, the, the other piece is that with the meta fields as well, uh, in relating back to the store 2.0 releases is that you can then reference those within your section. So if you had a you know a file meta field, you can set that within a section. And so when they're rearranging it, they can pick up a file and actually drop it a uh, link to it in the section. So there's there's kind of some you know cross functionality there. So brilliant on the editing side, brilliant on the how do I you know, attach new data that's not native to Shopify to my products, but also on the theme side, it brings over um, a lot more potential as well. It does. And for the more technical your product, I, I think the more you should consider Metafields. It takes time to gather the data. And also, obviously, it's difficult to install. And, you know, I mean, many people can do it themselves or obviously that's what we do. But once it's there, it becomes the life of the store. And it's absolutely Google gold because at the moment, the description box is structured. A lot of people find it very difficult to or, or a bit painful to have to go into a, and change a full description to put in that extra data. You know, giving giving merchants the ability to manage that metadata somewhere else without changing the description or anything else is very, very powerful. So to anybody out there who, who hasn't looked at it, yeah. you should, should consider it. And as I say, the more technical your product, it's even more of a reason to consider it. Couldn't so, agree more. Yeah, so and I suppose to finish on that, when I, when I reference Google, what I mean is that if you're presenting a table of technical data and, uh, you know, reference numbers, SKU numbers, all the kind of boring stuff, well, then you're giving Google more of a chance to present you to a potential customer who's going to search, not necessarily by the product name. So, But as I say, uh, schoolbooks.ie is a pretty good example of how, how we've utilized that. And the team as well have invested a lot of time in actually getting the data, which is, which is the hard bit for most busy merchants. Kerr. Yep. The ability to embed apps inside a product page is, uh, I'll put my hand up, I don't understand how that works. Can you just give the listeners an overview of that ability? I don't think it's switched on just yet, is it? No, I don't believe it is. I haven't seen the announcement. Again, this was something that they've teased um, and talked about for a while. Um, I'm not, I lose track of the terminology um, even when I try and keep up with everything. I mean, I, I think of like app sections or app blocks, but um, yeah. Yeah, fundamentally, when um, you install an app from from the App Store at the moment, 
um, oftentimes that app during its installation process will go off and it will embed certain links, certain um, file references within the theme. So it will actually go in, find the right place to put them and add those um, script tags uh, or any relevant um, script tags that it needs in order to function. So if you can think of a lot of the interactivity uh, apps, or sorry, I should rephrase that, apps that change the interactions on, on, on the, the homepage, for example, maybe you know sliders would be a thing or product pop-ups or any of those kind of things. Most of them require JavaScript. So the app will have to go in and, and create a link within the code so that it knows how to work. Um, this creates a couple of problems. One is that um, oftentimes these things can uh, conflict with each other. If you have many apps with, with you know, they, which one takes precedence, all of that kind of thing, i.e. they're not sandboxed. Um, but also when you uninstall the app, they often get left there because Shopify didn't provide a way for the app um, developers once the app had been requested to be uninstalled to go back and do a cleanup. So, so there's, there's a lot of problems over the years that's been created from this. So what app blocks will do is, or app sections, and uh, someone will probably scream at me if you're using the wrong term there. <laughs> yeah, okay. But what they'll allow you to do is, in the same way that you can drag on a, a section, if you've installed an app and it has an app section available to it, you'll be able to drag on the app as, as a piece of functionality onto the page. So um, let's, I think a slider, a boring, but because um, none of us like them, but <laughs> a, a good example. So maybe you've installed a slider app, you can go in, you'll see it appears in the editor, you can drag it onto the to the page and you can, you know, in the same ways with other sections, you can uh, add files to it so that they appear the images, et cetera, et cetera. Um, and then you could go to another page, you could drag another slider on. So it's kind of, uh, it's probably a, a, not the best example because you'd have that most natively in the theme, but um, maybe a forms app or something like that. You know, yeah. that's another idea where yeah. you've got, um, you want to get a feedback form. You can create it within the app that you've installed and then yeah. you can drag, drag that onto a page. Um, so again, making that kind of page building experience, um, store building experience a, a lot better, but the, the upside is that they're hosted kind of on Shopify. So they're going to be super quick. They're going to be served, um, in the same way as that the platform is served all the assets. Yeah. Um, but once they are uninstalled or removed from the page because of the, the architecture, and I, again, I've, I've read on it, uh, I still need to understand a little bit more, um, that cleanup process will be. Uh, you know, much, much better. There'll be no sort of cruft left behind. So that won't affect the performance of your site, which has happened in the past where kind of scripts haven't been able to be deleted or the references to them. So, yeah, I think it's um, it, it's, a, it's a big thing. Um, and I think it will give um, people a lot more confidence in um, the way that an app can change the way that your store feels. At the moment, you can install something and then some magic happens and you refresh the page and you, you don't quite know what happens. I think this puts a lot more control into the, kind of the merchant's hands. Um, but from a developer's side, it, it's a huge increase because uh, of the way that they're sandboxed and the way that you can you know, you know can present these things across um, the editing experience as well. So I, I think it's a big one. I had Josh Frank from Test Triggers on the last episode and speed is a big problem in Shopify and it's become very apparent in the last while since they've installed the, I think it's a misleading score number, but I won't go there. That's probably a topic for a different a different episode, but... I'd, I'd be happy to go yeah. there, as you say, probably yeah. for another day. <laughs> we probably, actually, we, we could do that, but, um, you know, one of the major pieces of work that Josh does is actually analyze pages and analyze speed and analyze product pages. And we touched on the fact that Shopify has created its own kind of disaster because apps are just too easy to install. So you have like 
you can install 50 apps in your store in under an hour if you really want to. And of course, you delete it, but it might leave a tiny little piece of redundant code. So as I've said on the podcast many times, that, that's why we would suggest that everybody audits the apps that are in their store and removes them. And then if they may, in some cases, have to get a developer to go in and remove that redundant code. But it's a big problem. I think what's going to happen now is a lot of people are going to move to online store too, possibly reconsider a new team and a new a new design. And if a lot of people are going to go back to the start and are willing to put in that investment, well, then they probably won't have the same problems in the future. Maybe, maybe I'm hoping that that's correct. Yeah. It's a fresh start for a lot of people is what I'd say. Yeah. I think, um, you know, if you have that privilege, um, obviously with, with a lot of the clients that I'm sure you deal with, that's, um, you know, that, that's a big consideration. Um, but yeah, just to your point on, on audit, I think that makes a lot of sense. I think having a sort of uh, you know, clear out uh, on an annual or half, uh, you know, half yearly basis is no bad thing because, um, you know, I don't know about you, but when you go through your sort of credit card thing, you think, I still subscribe to that. It's yeah. the same with apps, right? Yeah. It's like, yeah, do I really need that? Can, and, and often apps change and you'll find that something that you were paying 30 bucks for or is actually included in, you know, Clavio being an exactly, interesting example, yeah. say, with, with SMS and things like that. So, yeah. uh, as a, you know, I always say when you work with people like yourselves, you're the ones that are keeping up on that and, 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 and sort of advising. So it, um, if you do work with, with the partners like um, Milk Bottle, just, yeah get that expertise and uh, get them to order your themes and your store because it will, um, as you say, it will speed them up because you know, if, if a, a file's being downloaded um, that doesn't need to be downloaded, that's all going to take time for the uh, page to render. So you can have massively quick wins just by doing an audit. And you, yeah, you pay for it, but it's going to result in, in a lot better experience for your customers. Kerr, another feature that was announced, which is really, really important because if you're unless you're a plus customer, you've no access to edit the checkout, the teams will allow you to redesign the, the obviously the cart. Yeah. But they announced something, again, I'll put my hand up, something that I'm not 100% familiar with. Checkout extensions. What are they? Yeah, I think these, and again, my business partner, confusingly called Kieran, uh, Kieran, Kieran, um, knows, has, has looked into this a lot more than me. But I think, um, as you've said, the, the checkout is one of the huge features of Shopify. It's so robust. It, it you know, it, it was built on the back of um, very extensive sort of flash sale testing and is one of the sort of key selling points, I guess, along with um, uh, payments and obviously online store, but um, huge, hugely you know, powerful piece of the puzzle, uh, which meant that they reduced the opportunity over time to have any influence in it uh, from, from an external perspective, from a developer or merchant level. Yeah, you can change some colors, you can change some fonts and backgrounds, et cetera, but it was pretty locked down. Um, what they've done is they've given us a way as developers to to interact with it um, in a way that we haven't been able to before. So um, uh, maybe a quick example would help. So let's say you're in the checkout and um, your app extension uh, appears there and it can do a check and it can say, well, uh, I know free shipping is 50 euros. The cart is um, 48 euros. So what I could do is I could pick from a pick list of something that's maybe three euros um, and I could say, hey, if you add this product by clicking here, uh, you'll you'll now be eligible for free shipping. And um, you know what? They'll click the button. The order will now be at fifty one euros. They're eligible for free shipping, and then they can go and pay. So that's a sort of a very simple example. Um, but what it does, it allows you to kind of at that last you know last chance saloon of, of getting more from from your from your customer in a way. That's one example. I think others. Um, Kieran and I have been toying around with some. Uh, you know, regional, um, and I think the one that that uh, I saw recently with the the laws that are different in California around um, some ingredients of um, 
medicine and things like that, instead of having to tell everybody about that, you could say, well, if this person is in California, then display this particular message. And we, you know, you could do that. If someone's in Ireland, display one message. If someone's in England, display a different message, things like that. Very so you, can, you have all access yes, to the that's clever to the order, the order details, and then you can sort of deploy an app or an extension that, that, that only looks for that and then does something as a result of it. There's a nice piece on it as well, where you can then have, instead of going to straight to the sort of thank you page, you can also create a, an interstitial page. Um, in actual fact, that may be, again, I'm a little bit fuzzy. I've only played with a little bit where you'd go and add the, um, the upsell and then go back to the checkout. Forgive me if I've got the, uh, the route yeah. wrong, but fundamentally yeah. the concept is that. Ultimately, it's kind of allowing you to personalize the checkout experience is, is one yeah, way of putting it as exactly. well. A very, like if you yeah, look yeah. at, if you look at uh, I mean, look at Brexit as well and uh, you know uh, take <laughs> different dot. well remember oh sorry did I, did I mention COVID and breakfast uh, Brexit and breakfast COVID in the same episode <laughs> in the same episode but if you look at um, yeah, you're all good news Keith you're all good news <laughs> well, okay <laughs> but if you're if you're checking out from the UK well then you're going to there could be for example there could be a, a customs impact when you're when you're receiving yeah, the, the items exactly so, yeah you know, yeah. That, actually, that, that's that's great that you pointed that out. I actually didn't realize it was so powerful. So you can actually yeah. personalize the customer experience after you gather that really, really important information, possibly gender, possibly location, and obviously value in the cart. So yeah, things like that. Well, and, that's and I think they also exciting. sit on on the platform as well. I'll stand corrected again. Um, trying to look like an expert here, <laughs> but I think they they the actual code runs runs on on Shopify platform. The extensions you deploy to their to their system. So okay. again, there's no uh, you 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 can obviously talk back if you're a developer to your own databases and calling data like that. But we we've looked at scenarios where uh, we wouldn't even have to do that. We can just use all the APIs and host that code on um on the Shopify system. So. Yeah. Uh, they will be super quick um, and they're built in such a way that it won't affect the checkout loading and things like that. So yeah. I thought a lot about it. I think, um, yeah, we've come up with a couple of examples there, but I'm, I'm very excited to see where where people take this. So I think just one, you know, the obvious one is upsell, but, but can I, there's many, many more. Can I ask a stupid question then? Does that mean app developers then have an opportunity to produce checkout specific apps or would it be the same 100%. app? Yeah, 100%. Okay, that's good. Yeah. I believe so. Yeah. So I believe a new opportunity. You know, we'll start... I, th- I think we'll start seeing it. I mean, I, I think yes, you will. In, you will um, install them in a way the, the flow will be the same. You, as a as a you know an app developer, you can be able to charge for them. Um, I I, th- I think actually it's one. It, it, apps are obviously a huge, huge marketplace now. But I think we'll start seeing highly successful checkout extensions that are very very niche that might serve only uh, you know point one percent of Shopify's market, but be invaluable for that one percent. Yeah, um, regionally and, specific, yeah. geographically, etc. Well, it's 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 notifications at that end of the customer buying cycle that will reduce customer care queries after yeah. after yeah. you know. So, look, I'm delighted I asked you. Actually, thanks. That's great. Um, and you <laughs> mentioned your your business partner Kieran's name there. Uh, you can tell him that I'll be on to him because when we know more about things like that, Kieran's technical knowledge is just nothing short of phenomenal. Yeah, so I'll take him. What I'll do is I'll I'll invite Kieran in and he can make me sound really, really He'll stupid. correct all my mistakes. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> he said that, no, it's this. But, um, but considering I got the information from him, I've either misremembered it or he's Well, you can, blame, you can blame him. But, you, know, you can blame him. <laughs> Kerr, it has been an absolute pleasure as always. And I always enjoy your insights and your, your view on things. So thank you very, very much for your time. And I'll talk to you soon. Always a pleasure, Keith. Thanks for the opportunity. Appreciate it. 
Thanks for listening. All of our episodes are available on Spotify, iTunes and Google Podcasts. A special note of appreciation goes to our sponsors, Rewind.io, the leading backup solution for Shopify store owners. Get your first month of Rewind for free by simply responding to any welcome email once you sign up for your free trial on Rewind.io. And of course, to the email platform Clavio, which helps Shopify brands easily create personalized, multi-channel marketing campaigns using your most powerful asset, your customer data. To get started with a free trial of Clavio, visit clavio.com slash milkbottle. That's K-L-A-V-I-Y-O dot com slash milkbottle. If you're a Shopify user with an exciting story to tell, reach out to the team on podcast at milkbottlelabs.com. Until the next time, take care.